It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Official partner of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. At the 12 o'clock hour of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show is our Hall of Fame hour today. We have Joe Thomas joining us in half an hour. And we start with our resident Hall of Famer, it is Mary Kay Cabot. What's up, Mary Kay? Hey, guys. How you doing? We're doing great. Good to have you with us. Are you sad to be back in the cold weather and away from L.A.? Or are you happy? You know what? I'm happy. It was a long trip. It was a lot of fun. Uh, got a chance to go out in L.A. a little bit and see some really cool, cool things in West Hollywood. It was so much fun. Nice. Uh, it was nice to be out in the sunshine. The practices were fun to be at. Um, but it's also fun, you know, to get back home. Now I've got to get a Christmas tree and some presents, and somehow I have to make Christmas happen. Oh, boy. Yeah, you're running out of time here, Mary Kay. Things are going to get crazy out, out of Crocker Less Park. Less than three weeks today. Crocker Park's already bananas. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it is. Hey, Mary Kay, uh, any, any notes that you want to throw our way? Anything that maybe slipped through the cracks from Sunday's loss? Uh, no, I mean, the only things, you know, that I'm really trying to keep an eye on today, obviously, are things like, is Trevor Lawrence going to play? Is Amari Cooper going to play? Are they going to name Joe Flacco the starter, which I think ultimately probably will happen. But, um, you know, I fully think that Kevin's doing the right thing in not naming him the starter yet. Because, uh, of course, you know, you want to keep those Jaguars thinking as long as you possibly can. Yeah, and they're two different style quarterbacks. So, I mean, there's no benefit to him announcing the starting quarterback to the media and to the world and to the Jags until later right, in the team week. Probably. Do you think the he, team knows? He, I think he's the, decided, I assume, Mary Kay, do you think behind the scenes or yeah. not 100%? Well, the team usually knows. Uh, yeah. Now, they are off today. So, it's not like they're, you know, getting a bunch of reps today from, from Joe Flacco and are picking up clues that way. But the team knows before we know because, you know, they're going through their meetings and they're going through their practices. So they always know before we do, but um, you know, I think it should be Joe, you know, he brings that veteran presence, that calming influence to the offense. He got a lot of different guys involved. Uh, You know, I think it's going to be good for Elijah Moore going forward. I think, uh, you know, there is one player that we can talk about that I think really needs to step up in this offense at this very crucial time. And I think Joe might be able to get him involved and um, so, yeah, I think it's the right thing to do. Aside from the interception, which I know, you know, other than that, <laughs> um, what was the general reaction from folks you spoke with after the game about Joe's play? Because, I mean, honestly, and that, you can't take that out. That was the play that swung the whole game. But just his command, his presence, his arm strength, his decision making, what were, what were folks saying after the game to you about it? Yeah, very positive reviews, very, very positive reviews, uh, because obviously he has command of the huddle. Uh, He can keep those guys calm in the face of adversity. You know, they have the belief that he can come in there and lead them on a touchdown drive. And, you know, he showed that right from the jump. So I think everybody felt really, really good about it. And, you know, I think they also recognized they lost their number one receiver in that game to Amari Cooper. I mean, that's a tall order. Hey, Joe, go in and start a game on three days practice and hardly even knowing the names of some of your receivers. And then we're going to take your number one receiver out of the football game. How about that? So, uh, you know, on that last pass on that interception that he threw, you know, that probably would have been Amari down there on the deep level of that route. And, you know, he wasn't there. So I think, you know, that hurts matters, but uh, you know, hopefully they'll have Amari back for him, but you know, I just think that he needs to be the guy. Mary Kay, hi. It's the first time we've talked like this. It's usually on the phone. <laughs> oh, yes. Good to How see you? you. It's good to see I'm you. I'm doing so, great. Thank you. So we talk about, you know, Mari Cooper, 
uh, still to be to be determined if he'll play or not. We've seen Elijah Moore have his best game as a Cleveland Brown. Last week, Amari talked about uh, Joe Flacco being a wealth of knowledge, somebody that you can pick their brain. I think Elijah Moore alluded to the same thing. How can he help Cedric Tillman uh, further develop, especially if the Browns are going to be without Amari Cooper this week? Well, anytime you have a long, long time veteran like that, he can obviously help those rookie receivers understand the nuances of a route and where they need to be and how they need to be there. And just another week of practice between those guys today will go a long way towards them having some timing and some rhythm and some chemistry. So I think it will really help said it's time for said, you know, he does, he's got to put on the big boy pants now and, and he's got to be a reliable seat receiver for Joe. And when you look at, at Cedric Tillman, he only caught two of six, um, of his targets and the percentages have got to be higher than that. You've got to be able to do better than that. So, you know, Joe needs to figure him out and he needs to figure Joe out, but you know, it's time for some of these young guys to, to step up into their role. And, you know, when you get a chance, you guys go ahead and you can ask me who I was talking about that. I'm going to, uh, you know, really put some pressure on to step up and be there for Joe Flacco. Well, who is it? Is, I, I assumed it was, <laughs> Cedric Tillman, but it's not. Is it Njoku? Who is it? It's Njoku. I think David Njoku now, he's been around for seven years. He's making $13.68 million. He only has two touchdown catches this season, and that's not enough. That's not enough. And he only caught two of six. He's got to have better hands. He's got to have better awareness of where his feet are. He's got to win the contested catch more. And in every way, he's got to step up his game. He is, he's got the size and the strength to go up over smaller defensive backs and create these unbelievable mismatches. And because of his physical abilities, you know, I've always said that once he has good quarterback play, he should be an eight touchdown a year guy. That means he needs six more right now. I, I will I will qualify it by saying he has not had the quarterback stability this year. And whenever I said that, I always meant it, you know, if he had a full season with Deshaun Watson, that's what I would expect from him. He is a really good blocker, but and he is on pace, you know, for some career highs in receptions and yards. But, you know, you've got to be in that red zone and end zone going up over those DBs and creating those mismatches and catching those touchdowns. To your point, Mary Kay, we're seeing tight end production. Like it used to be, it would just be Kelsey and maybe Kittle and Andrews, but at Hawkinson has moved into that. And you got three young guys. Just look trade. at Laporta. Laporta has yeah. been phenomenal as a rookie. Dalton Kincaid has come on after a slow first Ferguson. month. He's been great for Buffalo. This kid, Trey McBride in Arizona, we saw him when the Browns played against him. He's a second-year guy. He's got six touchdowns. Laporta's got six touchdowns. You, yeah, they need him to be – I think you're right. And you, one of the things you said in that, and this is something I've complained about with Elijah Moore, and outside of Amari Cooper, the Browns pass catchers are terrible at this. You talked about knowing where you, your feet are on the field because David Njoku was out of bounds on that play. They are so bad as a team outside of Cooper at, no, at like catching the ball on the sideline, getting the feet down. Sideline awareness. Yeah, sideline awareness. They, that's an art. I mean, it, it is. And, and the Browns, I, you mentioned the Joku, but the Browns have a problem with that in general, I think. Yeah, they need some better toe drag swag. So, yeah, that, that's <laughs> right. I like that. You know what else they, they got to do? They need to catch the ball better, too. Why are our receivers dropping so many passes? Well, I'll tell you what, I think that, uh, you know, some of it has to do with the fact that they have had to re- that they've had to adjust to four different quarterbacks this season. But you know what, as Amari Cooper always says, too bad. You know, that's what you have to do. It's oh. your job to catch the ball no matter who is throwing it to you. Now, they did, it seem, have some difficulty catching Dorian Thompson Robinson's passes. Now, I don't know that, that if that's Dorian's fault in any way, shape, or form, or if these guys just you know, weren't adjusting and pivoting well enough to different velocity and different ball placement and all those kinds of things. But, you know, they just have to, you know, look for it, look it in, corral it, and keep those little toes in bounds. So, uh, you know, they all have to step up their game and they have to help Joe Flacco. And again, some of the um, catch percentages were not high enough. And David's was one of those. David was another one that was, you know, two for six for what I think it was 17 yards or whatever we showed there. But, uh, you know, he's someone that I I am putting the onus on him this week to, uh, you know, to really be 
a reliable pass catcher for his quarterback. Very good. I, we've got a question for you as it pertains to Deshaun Watson. Uh, this is a conversation we haven't yet had on the air, but we were discussing it in our text chain last night. Deshaun Watson uh, obviously had the shoulder surgery, so he's out. Was at the game Sunday. He's rehabbing in L.A., so I'm assuming that's why he was at the game. He was in a box watching the game. and Seeming uninterested, which is probably unfair because it was just when the camera was on him. Yeah, that's unfair. unfair. I mean, you know, who knows? We don't know that he was uninterested. But but he he selected to to watch the game from, from the box. Uh, we also noticed last night that Joe Burrow, also recently coming off surgery, was on the Bengals' sideline, actively involved in helping uh, Jake Browning turn in one of the best quarterback performances of the year, if you look statistically. Is there a reason that he's not on the sideline with the team? Should we give him a pass for that? Uh, we can't understand why Burrow's doing it, but our guy isn't. You know, I, if I'm not mistaken, I do believe that uh, that the Browns put Nick Chubb, Jed Wills, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson and other IR guys that were at the game in the box. They don't want, you know, Nick's on, on crutches and, you know, Deshaun recently underwent his surgery. He's in the sling and they're just taking uh, as many precautions as they possibly can okay. with these guys. I did not have a problem with it whatsoever. Um, you know, I what would we all be saying right now if he got crashed into, and that happens, right. if he got crashed into on the sidelines and further injured a freshly repaired shoulder? I did not have a problem with it. Nick was in there as well. Um, as far as him not wearing Browns gear, I don't have a problem with that either. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I'm not as, I don't know. I don't get hung up on those kinds of things like some other people do. That's fair. Uh, as soon as yeah. he can be with the team, and he will be with the team, he's trying to get back with the team. I mean, let's remember, this is a player that begged a bunch of different doctors to shoot up the arm so he could finish the season. This is not somebody that's disinterested and doesn't want to play. Uh, you know, so I know that people don't ever want to give Deshaun the benefit of the doubt for their, um, you know, for personal reasons. And I, you know, I understand a lot of people feel that way. Um, but I think that sometimes there's a, a pile on thing going on when, you know, when he's just watching a football game from a box, you know, like Nick Chubb is. No, that's fair. And, and I actually agree with you. I just wanted, I wanted to throw it out there as something that we were discussing yeah. in our text chain. And I yes. think the reason that you gave is the reason. I know Joe Burrow was down there. Joe Burrow could have taken a sideline hit. We see guys taken out, you know, 10 feet, 15 feet behind the sidelines. And if that happens and Joe Burrow, you know, God forbid, he takes a hit to the wrist or gets re-injured, it's an unnecessary risk that you don't have to take. And I completely agree with you. You have a question, right? Yeah, Mary Kay, speaking of star players with shoulder injuries, Miles Garrett was not really that uh, effective in the game versus the Rams. Uh, do you foresee him to continue to play through this injury or should the Cleveland Browns like consider sitting him for a week or two and let him heal up for the playoff run? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You know, I think that the fact that he hasn't had a sack in each of the last two games has more to do with the fact that you've got some really, really good head coaches that they have been running into uh, that have tried to take do everything they can to take Miles out of the game. They know what they have to do. Uh, you know, that's that's job number one on that side of the ball is to minimize Miles. And when you do that, then, you know, who else is going to get to the quarterback? The next highest sacker is, is Oboe with three and a half. Z has only two and a half. So that's been a problem this year. You know, they can tell us all they want that, you know, sacks are an overrated stat and that you don't need them. But, you know, when you're dropping someone for a 10-yard loss, I don't know how that is, uh, you know, overrated. And right. especially if you can get the ball out of there, right? So you can see the the leaderboard right there. It's not enough from the other guys. Uh, Miles didn't 
seemed to be be too affected by the shoulder in this game. He, you know, that's what he said afterwards. It, it didn't bother him that much. He had it taped up, and he was ready to go. But I think that's more a function of good coaches scheming up against him. All right, Mary Kay, real quick, you if you had to bet today, Denzel Ward play or not play this Sunday? Oh, that's a good one. It could still be 50-50 right now uh, because today is the key day for him. They were hoping that he turns the corner in the beginning of the week to the point where he can get on the practice field on Wednesday. And I don't know if that's happened yet. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll say 60% chance that he'll play, 40% he won't. We'll take that. That's good. I'll Man, take, we'll that. take 60 40. They Thanks, have not Mary looked Kay. the same without him. Yeah. Mary Kay, great stuff as always. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Good Thanks, luck with Mary that Kay. Christmas stuff. I know you'll come yeah. through big. Yo, she need to copyright. I hope so. Toe, toe drag swag. I like that line. I, that is. She should pat that. was smooth, shopping, man. man. Yeah, I like I that I don't understand why people wait for the last second to shop. Everybody does it. Yeah. I mean, it's been December 25th for years. My kids I know. know money. We know when it is. Unlike, you see, with me, I, I know you got changes. totally different for you. Yeah, this year, it's on December 8th, I think, is the first night. Okay. It's coming up. Are you ready? It's three yeah. days away. Yeah, we got the presents ready to go. Very good. Yeah. Oh, by the way, just quickly off topic. Yeah. Uh, your son appeared in an article in the Cle- Cleveland.com, I think. Yeah, there was a picture of him previewing the show that's coming up that he's going to be in. <laughs> I saw that. I saw it. It's yeah. awesome. He was. They interviewed the woman who wrote it and is directing it. She's great. Her name is Rachel Spence, and and it's it was highlighting. When does the, gra- the curtain go up on the production? Uh, so the seven shows uh, starting this Friday. Wow. Is a Friday, Saturday night, a Sunday matinee, same thing the following weekend, and then there's a. A Thursday matinee next week for students. Well, good luck to him. One yeah, thing for I know sure. we're proud of him, and we yes, are too. Very. One thing for sure, too, for certain, yeah. UCSS kids built different. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are built. That is a fact. That is true. The time is these girls air. are going to change the world, yeah, whatever right. they do. Built different. Go ahead. We're going to hop right into the conversation you brought up with Mary Kay. Just a quick reminder that tomorrow night they'll be behind the glass. On Friday we're on WKYC. And if you're in the chat, watch it. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. We appreciate every single one of you guys who do this for you. Jay, you asked the question to Mary Kay, so I'll ask it to you guys. Just a timeline of events. Deshaun got his surgery prior to the game. He was on the field. See if you take tag board full. Sean Dunnigan, the phenomenal photographer up at Channel 3, got this picture of Deshaun on the field with his teammates before the game against the Rams. Then he moved up to the box for the game. You mentioned Joe Burrow was on the sideline yesterday. So do you guys have any issue with Deshaun watching from the box, or do you think he should have been on the sideline like Joe Burrow? You, you Earl, posed the question in the text. Yeah, because so I had you know, honestly, I didn't even think about it. So I can't be critical of him because I didn't even think about it until I saw Burrow on the sideline. I was like, huh, why wasn't Watson on the sideline? Yeah. Now, ultimately, Burrow's w- working with a young quarterback, right? Uh, Joe Flacco doesn't need Deshaun Watson on the sideline. No. Uh, I, I look at this more as a... They're po- in the same arm sling, by the way. Right. I look at this more as a positive for Joe Burrow than a negative for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I, now, I think that's a good way of saying it. Right. I like that Joe Burrow... Joe Burrow must have... The team probably had the same concern with him that the Browns had with sure. Deshaun. And I think Joe Burrow must have overruled them and said, no, right. look, guys, let me be Jake's eyes and ears on the field. Let me be yeah. down there. And I kudos to him. Right. Like, but I'm let, not going to ding Deshaun. I'm for not going to ding Deshaun, but let's be honest. If Deshaun were down there, we'd be like, all right, that's cool that he's down there, right? Image is I'm, perception right. is everything. I'm not killing I'm not knocking him for it. I don't think it's a negative. Right. It, you know, this again, you have a veteran quarterback. Joe Flacco doesn't need Deshaun Watson there. I look at this as more like, that's awesome by Joe Burrow being down there. He's not moping and saying, Oh, woe is me. He's trying to help his quarterback. And you saw him a couple times, like cheering and, yeah. you know, doing that. And stuff. I'm sure there were times the camera didn't catch him right. where he was showing him with the surface. Look, when, when they give you this look, they're trying, right, you know. Right, right. So he helped them. Absolutely. There, you know? There's no doubt. It's a positive. Yeah, I've seen all that stuff on uh, Twitter and on, and, on, and on Instagram. I mean, for me, I have more of a problem with people having a problem with it. Um, Someone tried to tweet a picture of Chubb on the field. Yeah, I, I know a that. Side by side. It was Chubb on the field and Watson in the box. And I think uh, our photog, yeah. Sean, saw yeah. it and, and said, no, no, no. That picture of Chubb on the field was right. taken before the right, game. Right, right. And for the record, yeah. He was uh, Deshaun was on the field before the right, game right. too. This, that that's Chubb, what made me. No, upset. Yeah. That's wrong. Chubb is on crutches. That is a that is a big difference. No, this, I know, this but, is, but, but, but to, put, is not a to put a picture but, image side by side. Yeah, that, that's just yeah, that's you're wrong. trying to look for something yes. and stir something yes. up. So, so that, that, so that wasn't goes, there. That, that goes yeah. to my point, man. I think that when you make up your mind that you don't like somebody, anything that person does or do not do 
it's going to irritate you. It's going to be annoying. And I'm becoming annoyed with people who find every little thing to pick at Deshaun Watson about. It's a great the man point. just had shoulder surgery. The man wanted to watch the game from the box. Well, Mary Kay just said it was a mandate by the Browns. But let's say if it wasn't, he wanted to watch the game from a box with his girlfriend. Something that he doesn't get to do throughout the season because Hell, he's typically on the Earl, field. He wanted to play through he it. He wanted to play through it. It's, yeah. just, it's, it's just so crazy to me that people find any and everything yep. to have a reason with this dude, and he did nothing. It's like, confirmation bias. Like now, yeah. now we're not even talking about playing on the field. Now you nitpicking at the man not being on the sideline with his team yeah, during the game. Do and I don't think any again, I don't think anybody would have said anything had you not seen Burrow there last night. But, That's when it really got but, brought but, up. But even like with that, what bothered me with that, I yeah. think one of the biggest things that we do as adults, and I'm being real serious right now, is that we don't realize adult traumas. And people pleasing is one of the biggest adult traumas that we go through. Yep. We think that we're supposed to like just like succumb to everything that everybody else wants us to do. Hell, if Joe Burrow went to rob the bank, you want Joe, uh, Deshaun Watson to go rob one too? Let the man be his own man. Let him go about things he wanted to. Yeah. You know, he went out there with his teammate before the game, team before the game started, showed some love, went to the box, so he wouldn't be a distraction on the football field. The cameras is gonna find him anyway. He wouldn't have been a distraction. On I, the field. I, I mean, he, he he probably you, you don't know. It's just like, it's just one of those things no, to he, where I, he wouldn't have been a distraction. Because people could say, well, he need to be on the sideline to motivate his teammates. If you need Deshaun Watson on the sideline to motivate you to go out here and win this game. Then you should have stayed in the locker room. It's not about motivating. I, I agree with Bull. I yeah. don't think he would have been a distraction, no. but I, I do think you open yourself up to this possibility. Snapshots are freeze frames in time. Right. Exactly. Somebody could have taken a picture of Deshaun Watson with like a thousand this. yard yeah. stare and well, his arms crossed. Well, even there, I said he and looked that, miserable. Yeah, you, you did. Know, I, Catching him like this. And then or the something. caption would have yeah. been. It, you know, while Joe's balling out, it would have been Deshaun Watson looking less than thrilled on right, Brown's right, right. sideline yeah. as Flacco. Right, sure. You know, why even put him through the t- the team that been through enough drama this year, right? Why why pile on pile on to I, it? I, I'm and, and it just that. seems like for the fans that's irritated by it, we've been through this before, right? When Odell Beckham got hurt and the Browns went on that run and ended up making the playoffs, and he wasn't there, and, and people was bitching and complaining right. that he wasn't on the sideline or he wasn't tweeting out about his team. Like, let these dudes whatever they do whatever it is that they're doing people, listen, away from football. When you're in the public eye, criticism, as long as it's fair criticism, you something. Listen, it's it, I, I can't blame a fan that would, might want Deshaun Watson on the sideline. Now, if you, I, I'm not going to kill somebody for having that opinion. Personally, uh, I don't think it's a big deal. And like I said, I think it's a positive for Burrow more than a negative for Watson. I think we'd all agree. But is it better that he there that he be there for the public image? Of course. But Joe is, Flacco is he going to help Joe no. Flacco no. No. see something that Joe's veteran eyes don't already Joe see? Joe can help him. <laughs> Joe probably <laughs> Joe, Joe can help him. Experience. Joe's won a Super Bowl. Exactly. So, Joe doesn't need yeah. Deshaun yeah. Watson. It's not a. It's not a big. I, don't, I actually yeah. don't think it's anything. Like when, when I seen it, it was just this is. They do the same thing with Baker. They do the same thing with Odell Beckham. When it's you, confirmation when, bias. Confirmation we all do bias. it, and we don't even know we're when, doing when it. You make up your mind. This is somebody I cannot stand. It's a, no. it's a wrap. Whatever. It's a wrap. Whatever he do. For, I don't think what, that's always true. I can, I give Baker his credit. I said he made a great pass. To I mean, that, that's Mike you. I'm, the other I'm speaking no, boy, you, even though you, I don't I'm like Baker. But, but, but typically, yeah, this is how it goes. It, we all are guilty of it. I'm sure, guilty of it. Some degree, no doubt. And it's human nature. We don't even know. Oftentimes, we don't even know we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know. You said something that was struck a nerve for me. You said that people, you know, we, we all want to be people pleasers. Even those that say, I don't give a shit what people think about me. You do. You're lying. Yeah. You care somewhat. Yeah. I think to, to a certain extent, these guys can drive themselves crazy if they're in the people pleasing business. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the famous quote is, you're going to please some of the people all of the time. And all of the people, some of the time, but you're never going to please everybody all, all the, the time. time. Stop trying; you'll yeah. make yourself nuts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Deshaun, there's plenty of things to complain about with Deshaun that are legitimate fair complaints. Legit- you're right. This is not one of them. Yeah, I think that's well said. Good, good bow on that. Um, what time do we bring? We got Joe Thomas in a few minutes, so let's uh, let's read some super chats and knock yeah. those okay, out. Great. So when we get Joe, we have the uh, maximum time with our Hall of Famer super chats, as always. 
are brought to us by PCC Airfoils. If you're looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits, PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. All locations of PCC Airfoils in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up. Plus, full benefit packages, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply online at precast.com slash careers to learn more. We only have three, and then hopefully Joe Thomas joins us here any minute. He texted me back this morning, so I know he knows, and he is the link. First one comes from Trizzy T. Just a heads up, guys. Browns are still the sixth seed, according to ESPN, due to winning the head-to-head matchup against the Colts. Yeah, ESPN's got ESPN's it wrong. ESPN's wrong, actually, yeah. Well, you want to explain why they're, they're wrong? Well, even they though, currently have it wrong. They currently have it wrong. Yeah. Even though the Brown, if the Browns and Colts were tied at 7-5 and five, and there was nobody else in the tiebreaker, they would have the tiebreaker. But because there's two other teams, the tiebreaker is not just Browns versus Colts. Right. It's who's got the best record amongst those 7-5 and five teams. And that's how, based best on... Best conference record. Right. Yeah. Well, not that's, no, 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 no. Not best conference record, best head-to-head within the group. The oh, total. oh, just with the tied teams. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. It's so. a wonky, weird. Yeah, I don't like. I get what you said. So if it's yet. four teams, it's like okay, you both beat this team. So right. whoever got the advantage, uh, who beat the right, right. Outside. So, okay, so uh, you know, I so in fantasy football, if we're tied for a playoff spot and I beat Jay, but Earl's in the tiebreaker also, and Jay beat Earl, and Earl beat me, then it goes to we're points. all one and one. <laughs> then it would go, you know, so yeah. there's all these tiebreakers. Yeah. So if the Jets and Colts, excuse me, if the Browns and Colts end up tied. Just the two of them, the, the Browns, Browns have the tiebreaker. Yeah. But be, the Colts actually have the tiebreaker So right now. But obviously, we've got a long way to go. Yeah, it's all so preliminary that yeah. it's really not even worth talking about because it's going to change massively. It's changed in the last two Man, weeks. Your Browns keep hurt. winning, they're going to make the playoffs. They go 5-0, and oh, they're, they're in the playoffs. <laughs> that's a guarantee. Wacko for Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a sweatshirt. Next one comes from Peter Ari. He said, hey, guys, a Bengals coach got hit in the knees last night. I'm assuming he's just referring to someone on the sidelines. It was I the offensive the line yeah, coach. Yeah. He was fine. Let's be honest. The, the odds of Deshaun Watson getting hurt on the sideline are very slim. Listen. He, he could be sitting in the back. He doesn't have to be in the front line. Two things could be true. I don't want it to happen, though. Two things could be true. Fine, but that's not why he's not down there. But everybody in the chat noticed only in yeah, Cleveland, right? That's, that's real. That's not yeah. a reason why No, that's real. <laughs> that's real. Only in Cleveland would Deshaun no, Watson no. be sit, standing on don't the sideline and he negative. get hurt. Don't I'm just negative. telling you, man. Don't be negative. I'm just telling you. I mean, oh. it happens. It Only happens. in Cleveland. Not, the Bengals coach isn't the only one that. Well, the guy the in the Saints Lions game. Did you guys see that? Oh, like, I had to turn the TV off. Oh my god, yeah, that, that was happened. crazy. They held that the shot crazy. for like but those guys seconds. are non-athletes. You don't see players getting hurt. Well, on the here's sideline. the thing. How often does that happen? Obviously, you definitely wouldn't do it with them on crutches. But the other thing is, with one arm in a sling. If there is a collision coming your way, you're you're less likely to be able to deflect and to be athletic right, and get out of the way because you got one arm. But Watson is not going to be standing in the front row of players. He wouldn't be there. Burrow wasn't in the front row. I saw row. a Browns player get hit in the eye with a ref flag. I would have had zero percent chance. Possible, yeah, but I just it's, don't want it's to take, unlikely. I don't want it. You're right. It, that would be a Cleveland thing to happen. <laughs> it would happen. It would say only here does that only happen. Only in Cleveland yeah. does that happen. So you can eliminate that chance you know? and put him in a box. Yeah. Tie the game more. in the World Series and start raining. Go ahead. Rakisan says, y'all are forgetting Watson was there I to help DTR. <laughs> Watson, what? He said, Rakisan1187 says, y'all forgetting Watson was there to help DTR versus Pittsburgh. He was. That's yeah. a fact. He was on the sideline for that game. Yeah. Now, that was before surgery. Yeah. So, yeah. maybe protocol changes after surgery. Because I'm, I'm glad that viewer correctly pointed that out. Yeah, I mean, circumstances change everything. Like, and I told Earl before. He could have been still on like pain pills and just wasn't ready to be fully around like, as he recovers from surgery. He got yeah. surgery ten days before. Like that's not. Yeah, I common. hope he's not on pain pills still ten days. After. And last, Colin Keith. I just said I, I don't know. Like no, who knows? I know. Like we have no idea. Colin Keith said toe, ja- toe drag swag is from Good Morning Football. But shout out to Mary Kay for oh, bringing it up uh, here. So okay, thanks I never for watched that pointing show. that out. That's a great show. You really don't. I used. It to, was better with but... Kay Adams. Yeah, when she was the host. Yeah, although now I'm finding her annoying in all her commercials, which is unfair. She's not doing anything. I'm just finding her annoying. 
Uh, I'm I, a li- I, I, I got when when what's his name and Kyle Brandt's really talented guy. He's good. But when he went on that whole rant about how it's so hard to talk about Watson, I found that yeah, so annoying. That was a little so disappointing because I like Kyle too. I, I just that came off as so lame. Yeah. That I was like, ah, I'm sick of this show. Man, Kyle was I like cool. Peter Schrager too. I like Kyle Brandt. Way before Good, Good Morning Football, yeah. I, I first met Kyle. I used to watch this reality TV show that used to come on MTV called Real World. And he was part of Real World Earl Chicago. said that yeah. as if nobody's heard of Real World. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just hey, saying. The show was around before you were born, It's Earl. funny. Kit Hoover, who was my first co-host on Cold Pizza, was on the first yeah. season of Real World. So, And the old producer of Cold Pizza went on to produce. Oh, we got you. Yeah, Good we morning, got you. football. Let's get we're going to continue our Hall of Fame hour. We started yeah. with Mary Kay Cabot. And now we're going to welcome in the one, the only, the left tackle of all left tackles. It is Joe Thomas. What's up, Joe? Oh, I was Joe. Hey, what's up, on. guys? How are you? Good, Joe. Joe, we were... good to see you. Where do you keep the gold jacket? Do you ever wear it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was making hamburgers on the grill last night with it for the kids uh, for my birthday. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I leave it in the house just in case, you know, there's ever a need to throw it on and remind those kids who they should respect and who <laughs> they should right. start listening to around That's this right. house. So, Joe, Joe what's your birthday yesterday? Happy birthday. It was, yeah. Happy yeah, belated yeah. birthday, Joe. Thanks. You're Thank 39, you. right? It. You and Flacco, 39. both born around the same time. Joe Flacco's going to be 39 in a couple days, and he's now leading, Is he leading really? the Browns. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'll come back, too. If, if Flacco wins the Super Bowl, I'm his left tackle next year. Okay, you heard it here <laughs> Wait first. Wait a second. You heard it here first. got a promise? Tweet that out. We got to keep that on the record. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> how, how bizarre is it, Joe, Sigh. that Joe Flacco is the quarterback of the Browns right now? It's got to be mind-blowing to you. It does feel weird, and I think uh, Ed Reed maybe made a comment about it last week, and he goes, well, you know, Joe Flacco, he won the Super Bowl for the Ravens, but at least he's not playing for the Steelers. And I thought about that, and I'm like, you know what? It is kind of weird because we've always had this hatred for the Ravens. Um, obviously, they used to be in Cleveland, and then when I was playing, the Ravens were so dirty, like with – Ed Reed and Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis and Bart Scott. Like, we hated those dudes. And then Jamal Lewis was our running back my first couple of years in the NFL. And we just always had this, like, hated, dirty rivalry between the two of us. But they obviously won way more than uh, than we did when we were playing each other. And so we had this kind of little brother thing going on where they didn't even really respect us. So it is weird for me, especially as a former Browns player, to look at Joe Flacco and be cheering for him the way I was, especially yeah. last week. I mean, he played great in the first half, and now it looks like he's probably going to be the starter here the rest of the way and going to be kind of holding our fortunes in his hands. It definitely is strange times here in Cleveland right now, but I guess you could always say that. Uh, and there's like. a rumor, Joe, that if he goes down, the Browns are going to call Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, that's the only thing that would be more bizarre. <laughs> that one would be a little tougher to cheer for. I yes. feel like in Cleveland, that one Ugh. might be even a little bit more challenging. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Hey, Joe, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? But you look at Flacco, and I, I heard all week about every player giving him ranking endorsements speaking very highly of him, his football knowledge, and just being able to sit and pick his brain, right? Andrew Barry probably should have had a a veteran backup quarterback to start the season behind Deshaun Watson. Is this a learning lesson? Do you see the Cleveland Browns making sure that they have a veteran quarterback behind Deshaun Watson going forward next season and then beyond that? Well, I think you learn from your experiences, and certainly they didn't expect Deshaun to be injured. And I don't think they expected, honestly, this team to be as talented and as good as they really are. Uh, I think they kind of thought, like, hey, if Deshaun gets hurt, like, the season's over. we got no chance. And it turns out, all of a sudden, we've got this number one overall defense. We've got this great running game, even after Nick Chubb gets hurt. And so I think the calculations kind of change a little bit, where at first they were hoping to be able to develop DTR, Josh Dobbs was on the roster and they they would rather have young guys that are maybe building for potential long-term backups down the road and let them watch behind Deshaun Watson. But then all of a sudden Deshaun gets hurt, but you have this really good team that still can make a run. And so I think knowing now maybe the quality of the roster going into next season, if we're able to keep most of this team together, which I think we should, I haven't obviously looked at the uh, contract situations going into next year, but I think that's going to be a bigger part of the calculations, just knowing, one, how much Deshaun Watson has been banged up this season. Um, And he really wasn't a guy that was hurt a bunch during his career before this point. Uh, He's had the ACL and he's had a a couple other injuries, but it's not like he was a guy that was uh, very fragile, even for a quarterback that ran the football a lot. 
Um, but just knowing the the way he was banged up this year and then knowing how good the rest of the team is, even when he's not out there, I think the calculations definitely will change. And I think next season, don't be surprised if there is that veteran backup who's maybe a little bit more qualified and experienced to take over in the unfortunate instance if Deshaun does get hurt again. Joe, obviously, as you said, the Browns defense is very talented. However, the last couple of weeks, they haven't been as good. Denzel Ward hasn't played, and Miles Garrett now banged up. Obviously, those are the two best players on defense. Cat, like you know, and and so it hasn't been as good. I mean, did did you realize? Because we didn't realize that how important Denzel Ward is to this defense. Because especially with him out, they have not looked the same. Yeah, it's time for Denzel Ward to ask for a raise. I think because I, I think everybody knew he was a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. They saw that cornerback, that secondary room, and they realized, okay, we got um, a, a great corner in, in Denzel and Newsom. We've got um, Marvin or uh, Martin Emerson Jr., who's playing really, really good. He's physical. He's a little different type of cornerback, but for your third guy, he's excellent. We got a pair of good safeties. Um, but I don't think we realized how important Denzel was at that number one spot. And it makes sense now that you're thinking about it in hindsight, right? Okay, every team in the NFL pretty much has a great number one, but very few guys have good number twos and good number threes, but we were one of the few secondaries that could match up with any receiver group in the NFL because of how quality our one, two, and three corners were. And then all of a sudden when you lose your number one guy, now you got your number two guy going against number one, your number three going against number two, and it's a cascading domino effect of each matchup now is precipitously worse on the other team's side. And so um, I think you do quickly realize like how much impact the loss of your number one cornerback has on a defense that really the reason why they were so great was one, Miles Garrett and the disruption that he provides up front, and two, the coverage that they provide in the secondary. And then when they get into a situation where now you have the lead, they're able to just rush the passer and the quarterback can't throw the football. So he's either trying to dirt it or he's hanging on to it for three seconds and Miles Garrett is sacking him. Yeah. Speaking of injuries, Joe, I'm curious your take on this. Like, the rules to protect players are better than ever. Uh, players are practicing less than ever. Yet it seems like uh, there's more injuries than ever, and especially the quarterbacks. I think if C.J. Beathard starts this week for Jacksonville, I think he'd be like the 53rd different starting quarterback this year, maybe 54. It's a new record. I mean, it's just been crazy. What do you make of it? Is it just a freak season, or is there something more to it? Yeah, that's something that I've thought a lot about throughout my career. And it is one thing that we talk about every year. And, and I always kind of reflect back, even when I was playing and then the years after I retired right away, everyone's like, oh, there's always more injuries now than ever. And I'm not sure unless somebody really dove into the numbers and the statistics of it, if we could really say, uh, yes, definitively, we are losing more. You're right. That's that's is. exactly. Yeah. I'm getting there. Sorry. Oh, sorry. So, sorry but quarterbacks, bad. you're absolutely yeah. right. Um, not sure why that is the court, the quarterbacks, there's only 32 starters, right? In the league. So that sample size is going to be a lot smaller than the rest of the league as a whole. I think what's playing into this, the majority of it is the fact that now we're playing a much more wide open game of football. And so what that leads you to is a lot more of these significant acute injuries because you've got guys like basically running instead of a highway where you got four lanes going in the same direction. Now you got all these cross traffic, right? Because you're playing spread out. Your your quarterbacks are athletic, so they're running the football more. You're seeing more zone reads, more um, RPOs. You've got a lot more motions where guys are running full speed horizontally. You got a lot more deep crossing routes. A lot of these play action type concepts. And so I think you're just seeing a lot more collisions where guys aren't seeing each other, and that's causing a lot more of the acute injuries than versus when I played. Like especially early on, it was a lot more playing with a tight end and a fullback. It was a lot more in the box, smash mouth. You saw the guy, you were going to hit him. There was a lot of big collisions, and I think that type of football probably led itself to more long-term consequences, like those slow overtime, 20, 30 head injuries, head hits every single play or every single game, uh, and then all, all the, like, chronic uh, knee pain, joint pain that is caused by, like, the really tight, you know, eight, nine guy in the box, smash mouth type football, but you didn't see quite as many of those significant acute injuries that we're seeing right now. Um, and so I think it's a combination of how we're playing, but I think there is still something to be discussed about how people aren't practicing as much 
uh, full contact. They're not playing as much in the preseason. And one thing we used to talk about when we were playing was how you needed to callous your body during training camp, right? You needed to have those hits. And I hated two days as much as anybody, but you got a lot of hits in and you got pretty used to learning how to get hit, how to hit guys, how to fall, how to get tackled. Um, and I'm not sure that we really know how much that impacted you positively going into the season and how that prepared your body for the beatings that an NFL season would give out. It does seem counterintuitive to think that more hits would keep you safe, but the way you phrase it, callous your body, you're absolutely right. Um, They're experiencing the large percentage of the hits in game-type situations, and it's just tough to prepare for that. Speaking Mm -hmm. of injuries, I want you to talk about the tackle play for the Cleveland Browns this year. Obviously, they've gone through a number of them. We were talking mm-hmm. about Jones, how he's, I think, exceeded his what, what I had anyhow for his ceiling in his rookie year. Grade the tackles, how they've done this year, and what's really been a rough situation for them, uh, just rotating in and all the injuries. Yeah, it's been as bizarre of a season for the Browns' tackle injuries as any that I could remember. Um, DeWan Jones has played lights out football. I mean, he's played Pro Bowl caliber football from day one, and he's improved uh, from the moment he had to step in there when Jack Conklin got hurt. So just to think that we were able to replace Jack Conklin when he got hurt, and we didn't hardly miss a beat with DeWan. And then all of a sudden now Jed has been injured quite a bit. Um, and so to get James Hudson in there playing pretty good football. So basically you have two backup tackles and you almost didn't miss a beat with those guys in there, but then those guys are getting hurt too. So the revolving door is so difficult, especially when you're thinking about a position that relies a lot on communication um, and being on the same page with your guards, but also those tight ends as they're moving in and out. Now we don't play as much two, three tight end football as we did when Kevin Stavansky first got here, or even when I played in the NFL, when it was a lot more of that 21 personnel, like I talked about earlier, where it was more smash mouth stuff, but you still have a lot of combination blocks, a lot of communication that that has to happen up front amongst those guys when you're trying to pick up blitzes. Um, And it's really difficult when you have tackles that are younger because your guards and your centers are trying to tell them what to do on every single play. And a lot of times they're trying to tell them what to do to tell the tight ends what to do. Because I know one thing about football, those tight ends, they have no idea who they're supposed to block when they line up next to you. And they're always asking you two things. One, it's a snap count. And two is who do we got to block? That's great. Hey, hey Joe, it's funny you said that because we were talking about that. And I asked the guys if, if they thought Dewan uh, Jones was a pro bowler. So there's been rumors that the NFL wants to tush push gone. As a former offensive lineman, what's your thoughts on that play? And should it be like something that's out of the NFL next year? I like it personally because, one, I think we've realized that Philadelphia is uniquely set up to be able to run that play because a lot of other teams have tried it, and their success has not had nearly the amount – or they have not had nearly the amount of success as the Philadelphia Eagles have. So I think the fact that the Eagles have this massive offensive line, they've got Jason Kelsey, a Hall of Fame center – who knows how to get low, who create that leverage. But then you also have this huge, strong quarterback, Jalen Hurts. You know, they love talking about how he squats 600 pounds, which is legit. I can't squat 300 pounds right now, and I'm almost (laughs) probably 30 pounds bigger than him. Um, And so you've got this massive group of humanity, and I don't think it would be fair for the NFL to outlaw that play just because one team is so, so good at it that it's nearly impossible to stop. And I kind of like the way teams are trying to get creative to stop it because just the old school method of just lining a bunch of dudes up in the gaps and diving them on the ground doesn't work anymore. Like back in the day when you didn't have the tush push, if you created a pile up front with your defensive line on a quarterback sneak play, it pretty much stopped it, right? Because the quarterback would get stuck and then somebody would come off the edge and tackle him. But now that those guys are behind the quarterback. They're able to basically lift him up and throw him over the top of all the bodies, <laughs> which is what has made the tush push so successful. It's made it really difficult on a defense. And so they're trying to find different ways to stop it. Yeah. And so I kind of like watching the evolution of that play. And I, I don't think that the NFL should ban it unless all of a sudden we see like some enormous rash of injuries, but usually those things are uh, self correcting because if Jalen hurts gets hurt, running that play, I can bet the Philadelphia Eagles probably won't be thinking about running it that often anymore. And at least if they are going to still run it occasionally, they're probably not going to make it as much of a staple as they have so far. But outside of, you know, the other teams that have tried it, we really haven't seen a ton of injuries 
running that play from the Eagles standpoint. So I think it's something that's great for football right now. And I'd be really disappointed if the NFL outlawed it, especially since it seems like the Eagles are the only team that's mastered it. I think you're 100% right. I think it's completely yeah. lame that people are complaining it. about it. I love it. I think yeah. it's cool. McNuggets has an idea yeah, how you stop it. you have an idea it. to stop it? Oh. Like, yeah, Joe, so I pitched this to Jay Gruden <laughs> when he came on. Jay Gruden was a big fan of this. said it might be flagged, but you could be the judge. You give a defensive tackle a knife. <laughs> what? A knife. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I thought you were going to come up with a legitimate strategy. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a flag. Is there a rule, the yeah, NFL yeah. rule book that says you can't have a knife on the pencil. field? I'm just saying. You're think out of your mind. You're going to be in Cuyahoga County Jail at the end yeah, of the day, right. man. Hey, hey Joe, guarantee, besides – I can guarantee you Jason Kelsey's not thrusting forward like that. If yeah. the defensive tackle but, might have a knife and he might not. You just don't know which player has it. I, I, I'm really curious about that play. Cooper Cleveland, he'll be thrusting forward. Give him a machete. Yeah, yeah. Give him a machete. Just kill the whole other team. There you go. There you go. And you stop him. Uh, speaking of which, you know, I think about this, Joe, as a former offensive lineman. I know you're on the outside as a tackle, or as we all try to regroup for Mike's insanity. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't believe you said that. But <laughs> you talk about a rash of injuries, Joe. Stab him. UCSS does not promote violence. I just want the world to know that. Jason Kelsey on the injury report, stab wound. <laughs> He's questionable. Oh we know Jason God. Kelsey would probably play with a stab wound. We know what Mike said a lot to be Friday. <laughs> hey. Aaron Donald. Yeah, yeah, right. Hey. <laughs> Joe, when you get... <laughs> You know, Joe, you created this monster. Right. You gave him the damn nickname. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Sorry. Joe, that's why Joe's my guy. That's when Jason Kelsey, I think about this. I Nobody ever talks about it, but I'm curious. Like, on those plays, Jason Kelsey's getting the leverage. He must have thousands of pounds of bodies on top of him. Do mm. you, have, you think the guys ever freak out in those situations? Like, that's got to be weird. You have, like, ten guys on top of you. I know as a tackle, maybe yeah. that doesn't happen as much, but I'm sure it did. Like, is that is there a moment where you're like, oh, my God, if these guys don't get up, I'm going to die down here. Yeah, so I remember one time we were playing against Cincinnati, and we were going towards um, uh, away from the tunnels where we came out, and there was a fumble near the goal line around the five-yard line, and I just happened to be there. I jumped on it, right? And, of course, on a, a fumble, especially near the goal line, there's a lot of bodies usually, and so I had, like, you know, seven dudes jump on me. So at least like 400, 1400 pounds yeah. of humanity was laying on top of me. And I was oh. holding onto the ball, but it was also the ball was on my chest yeah. and then I was right on top of it. So the ball was pressing it on my chest Ooh. from the ground and I had all that weight on top of me. God, and it was in that moment where I did lose my breath because I couldn't breathe. My chest was not able to go up and down. And I did feel like I was dying in that moment. But I realized yes. that it would probably last less than 30 seconds. So I would be able to catch my breath. But it, it does induce that type of panic. However, I think when they do that tush push, since he's not using the ball, he's probably able to get into some type of defensible positions when he's down there, especially That's the experience okay. <laughs> that he's had being down there, where he can kind of tighten up his core and the, his yeah. muscles to protect himself a little bit. And I think at this point, the tush push has been so successful that everybody knows it's going to work for the most part. And as soon as it does, those guys are really quick to give up and get back on defense and start <laughs> thinking true. about first down. That's true. I, very I, I got a question for you. And it's funny, man, because I just thought about this. And this is something I've always wanted to ask you. I think that 2007 Cleveland Browns offense doesn't get the respect it deserved, right? That offense put up points after, of course, the Pittsburgh week, week one. Going forward, it was just like, sky's the limit. Where do you rank that that Browns offense of 07 against said offenses 2008 to now? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'd have to go back and kind of look, but I, I got to think that we were up near the top, at least, you know, top three. Um, I can't remember another offense since 2007 that was significantly better. I'm sure there was maybe a couple that could possibly match it, but when you look back at it, I mean, we had Jamal Lewis, who was, I think he ran for 1,200 yards that year. Um, we had Kellen Winslow, who was a Pro Bowl tight end. We had Joe Jurevicius, who was like lights out on third down. Every third down he converted. Um, Braylon uh, uh, Edwards had a ton of touchdowns that year. I want to say like 16. Yeah, he had a ridiculous number of touchdowns. He was a big deep threat. Um, and then we had some other good role players in there and we moved the ball really well. We were running the old Don Coriel offense with Rob Chudzinski as our offensive coordinator and Derek Anderson was a pro bowl quarterback. And I think 
the big key for us with that offense was uh, D.A. was getting the ball out of his hands. You know, he's not a mobile guy. It's not like we were getting him outside of the pocket. He was just kind of standing there like a statue or a scarecrow. But he could sling it. He had a big arm, uh, and he knew where the football should go. And we had some good creative game plans week in and week out. And actually, after that flop in week one against the Steelers when Charlie Fry started – the next week, we put up 51 on Cincinnati, which I, I don't know if we've scored over 50 since then. No. So you're right. I, I think that was one of the better offenses, maybe the best offense that we've had since 2007. Joe, that's all fine and dandy, but g- give me Deshaun <laughs> yeah. Kaiser. Yeah, but we didn't or, make the playoffs. No Deshaun <laughs> Kaiser or, or Johnny Manziel any day of the week. Oh, I'll take those question. guys. Yeah, they were probably a little more fun to, to party with. <laughs> that's about where yeah, it ended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, the yeah. 2007 uh, Browns had – very little competition. No. Though. Yeah, that's I mean, true. I, 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 There's I, been a lot of bad uh, offenses. We've had then. some. Yeah. Now. But Derek Anderson, that's the best year by a Browns quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, Baker had a, has had a couple of decent years, but I think that Derek Anderson year was probably the best. I, I just know when we talk a lot about, you know, the 2020 Browns, and, and we, we talk a lot about well, that, team that team making the playoffs. playoffs right, but, but like even though the 2007 Browns didn't make the playoffs, to me, that, that team is the best, just my opinion, that's the best team that we've seen since 1999. Like, that offense was lights out all season, right? We should have locked up that playoff game uh, in Cincinnati. We came home, and Joe noticed, we came home the very next week. We beat San Francisco, but I think we needed Indy to beat Tennessee. And at this time, this is when Peyton Manning was not playing Week 17. Oh. And we needed help. We, we didn't control our own Who destiny. Who was it, Jim Sorge? Jim Sorge? Yeah, yeah my right. buddy from Wisconsin, the old yeah. Jim that team Sorge. Don't get the love he was deserve, like, wait a minute, bro. as a backup, I got to play? I thought I was just here to <laughs> hold the clipboards. This is not fair. This wasn't in my contract. Not ready for this. All right, Joe, we got to get a game. I, so, do you want to explain it, Mike? You want me to explain it? I'll explain it real quick. All right, so, go ahead. Joe, you, I'm assuming at least once in your life you've played blackjack, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. So, the premise of this game is essentially blackjack. I'm going to give you a number you have to get to. I'm going to explain what the, the parameters are, but don't go over. You tell me when you're done. You don't want another one, and that is the top. So you played in your illustrious okay. career 10,363 consecutive snaps. Okay. We're going to see how many other first-round picks the Browns have made since 2011. When you combine their total snap counts in Cleveland, <laughs> combined to equal 10,363. So just like blackjack, okay. I'll give you a card. You tell me okay. yeah. either hit or stay, just like we would okay. in blackjack. By the way, Joe, we did this as a panel earlier, and we won. We nailed it. We won. Oh, we were able- nice. Okay, yeah, great. So, so no pressure. Okay. No great. pressure. Or he'll kill you. Joe Thomas might have a knife out of death. When in doubt, just stab him to death. Yeah. All right, Joe. Mikey McMurder. That's good, Earl. So we start with just Joe Thomas. We call it the bucket game, Joe. So you'll see. Here's what it looks like. We're going to try to even it out. How many other Browns first-round picks and their snap counts just in Cleveland equal 10,363, which is the number of consecutive snaps you played. Let's start with Johnny Manziel. Did Johnny Manziel play 10,000 snaps as a Cleveland Brown? Hit. Johnny Manziel and Barcavius Mingo. Did those two play 10,000 snaps as a Cleveland Brown? Hit. <laughs> Johnny Manziel, Barcavius Minko, and Cameron Irving. 10,363 snaps. Hit. Johnny Manziel, Barcavius Minko, Cameron Irving, and Brandon Whedon. Hit. Johnny Manziel, Barcavius Minko, Cameron Irving, Brandon Whedon, and Justin Gilbert. Oof. Hit. Johnny Manziel, Barcavius Minko, Cameron Irving, Brandon Whedon, Justin Gilbert, and Corey Coleman. Hit. <laughs> Johnny Manziel, Barcavius Mingo, Cameron Irving, Justin Gilbert, Corey Coleman, Brandon Whedon, and Danny <clears throat> Shelton. Okay. Hit, but we're getting closer. Johnny Manziel, Barcavius Mingo, Cameron Irving, Brandon Whedon, Justin Gilbert, Corey Coleman, Danny Shelton, and Phil Taylor. Uh, I'm going to stay there because I think Phil played quite a few snaps. And the last couple guys had a couple years at least. I'm doing the mental math here. Joe, you were very close. You don't have this written down, McNuggets? Come on. Well, you, <laughs> this is a scripted game. Yeah, well, I'm no, not you're short. The, the answer is he's short, unfortunately. You need a one more player. <laughs> Add your bro peppers. I was trying to see how much those eight oh. added up to. But those eight, and I can do it on the fly here, added up to – Oh, you were close, Joe. 
You missed it by a thousand. Those eight. Phil Taylor, Danny Shelton, Corey Coleman, Justin Gilbert, Brandon Whedon, Cameron Irving, Barcavius Mingle, and Johnny Manziel added up to 9,101 snaps. If you so added Jabril I, Peppers, that was where the correct official blackjack line was. That would have been so, 9,900. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I should have listened to the rules because I thought it was like blackjack. You wanted to be the closest without going over. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is, was yeah, the rule. You, you could have taken peppers, peppers and still been under. You would have still been under. Oh, Pepper. peppers didn't put you over 10,000? I thought. No, oh, no peppers no. put you with peppers. Man. So Manzel, Mingo, Irving, Whedon, Gilbert, Coleman, Shelton, yeah. Taylor, peppers, 10,220 career snaps. Oh, right there. Wow. I, I guess I thought you broke peppers had a lot more snaps for the Browns, but I guess I was wrong. And Joe, <laughs> we, we were wrong on Phil Taylor. Phil Taylor had a lot less than we thought because he must have missed more time with injury than we remember. Okay. Because yeah. he didn't get his – I thought – we had thought he had a lot more snaps than he did. But hmm. uh, it's amazing. A lot of bad draft picks after you. <laughs> you ruined There's it for no a lot doubt. of guys. Yeah. A lot of swings and misses in that bucket right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. A lot of holes in that bucket, dear Liza. Oh, God. Yeah, you aren't kidding. Ugh. Both an endorsement of you and an indictment on yeah. the Browns. Many general managers <laughs> yes. during that stretch. Great, Joe, it's Joe. always great having Thanks. you on, man. The Hall of Famer, Joe Thomas. Joe, join us again soon, okay? Hey, I appreciate it, guys. And one quick plug on Friday, I'm going to be in yeah. Cleveland at the Candy Cane Ball. It's in Ohio City at the Trust Building. Uh, you can still get some tickets, and it goes to gifts towards underprivileged kids in the holiday season. So go check it out. Uh, I'll be there. You can come celebrate with me and uh, dress like the Grinch. Where can we get, where can Joe, we get send tickets? Me your, send me your text. Me yeah. Your we'll make sure we tweet it out for yeah, you. Yeah, I'll send you the link. I was unprepared, unfortunately, but uh, I'll send you the link. You can also see it. It's on my social media. Uh, but doing good for the community and having a good time. So hope awesome. you guys join me. Yeah, cool it is. It's best. a great cause. I, J- Joe doesn't need any help selling tickets when no, it comes to Cleveland. People will be there. Yeah. Joe, good luck with the event. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys. Joe. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Joe. Always great, great Joe Thomas. Joe. Yeah, he had, I think um, if nothing else came from that, uh, the, the nickname <laughs> Mikey McMurder. <laughs> well, that was Earl, good. Though. That, was, that Earl, was Earl's best line ever. Ever. Well, yeah. Guys. We asked and we received. That's why the UCSS viewers are the best. We have Bald Earl in the DTR uh, fit. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. So our guy Kyle Brenner sent this to us. He said his toughest edit yet. Ooh. And are you ready for the debut of Bald Earl in the DTR fit? Bald Earl Puffy Steve, Coat. Let's do this. Let's see it. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) And and not just Kyle, so this is from Kyle. We also had someone send in a submission this is CW711 on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I want everybody to know that I'm using one of these You're rethinking that shave in your head, aren't you? Oh my yeah. god. Hey, uh, oh, the one the one in the DTR suit, for a second you looked I thought you looked a little like Denzel Washington, actually. For a second. Then I was like, no, oh, you know, I need that money, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I need that money. Hey, that's a compliment. No, I'm never putting my hair on the line. I was just playing with y'all, oh man. Oh, my God. Yeah, you I said it. That, that is so funny. Yeah, it was a uh, no. How about this? Just they go win as many games and as you Bull possibly can. shaves his head on the air and beard. We got to get some skin in the game. Nah, I, I, I mean, I <laughs> cut my hair short all the time. Oh, you said 3.7% chance. It would be great for the viewers. Shave my beard and my Shave head. Shave it all if they go 5-0. and oh. uh, Yeah, no. you have to do it. Have to do it. No. Yes. I'll tell you I, what. I, I always promised I would never no, make some I, stupid No, I'll tell bet. you what. It grows back. I'll tell you what. This is what I will do. If the Browns go 5-0, oh, yeah. honest to God, right-handed God, I get 50 memberships on my own. Oh, well, I will too. I'll give 50 I'll memberships match. on okay. my own. Match. All right, so. There you go. We all will give 50 memberships. It would be 200, 200 memberships, memberships for free if and they you go know five what? and Steve Let's Becker? do it. I like I'm that. Steve if Becker they go five and no, we give the memberships. All right, I still think just to Anthony's build. Anthony's in 300. Steve, will you gift 350 memberships? Okay, great. 
Uh, yeah. It would be, I'm telling you, it would build interest in the show. It would get some national attention. The Browns go 5-0. Host says he shaves if they go 5-0. and yeah. And then imagine if they go 4-0, and the drama that It's week. not like I agree to, like, eat some poop like Garrett Goldhammer <laughs> oh did. Aaron Goldhammer did that. I know, he, he backed did. out. Uh, Overtime. <laughs> Peace. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.